Welcome to the Aging Well Podcast. I'm Jeff Armstrong, here with Corbin Bruton. In this and the episodes that follow, we will share candid discussions on aging and hear from the experts. We are here to inform and encourage as we experience, well, aging. Desmond Tutu is quoted as saying, We need to stop pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they are falling in. Today, Corbin and I will discuss this quote and how it applies to healthcare and, well, aging. Okay, so Corbin, today we're just going to kind of do a little short podcast. A micropod? Yeah, that's, I guess we could call it our micropod. Uh, but, you know, recently, I believe it was December 26th, uh, 2021, if anybody's listening to this um, late in 2022 or beyond. But December 26th, the world lost a great leader in the passing of Desmond Tutu. There's a quote circulating that really kind of caught my attention recently where he says, we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And I thought we could talk about that a little bit today. What are your thoughts? Well, I agree with them. I think that there's a lot of issues out in the world and I think we need to get to the actual source of what's causing it. And I think that's the whole point of this podcast, honestly. I think that was our end goal. I think that was our mission statement was to help people age well, not just in a physical realm, but an emotional realm, a spiritual realm, a fiscal realm as far as financials go and, and you know, helping them as they go down the road of life, just kind of walking them through, hey, let's make you go on to the best path as possible versus you going down the, the wrong road or looking back at the road behind you and longing for that. So I, I do feel like those words kind of hit home with our mission statement here on how to make individuals better themselves. Okay, so yeah, I, I agree. I think you know what really struck me with the quote is that it it's exemplifies our societal approach toward the issues that are at hand. That we tend to try and just fix the problem at the end, treat the symptoms rather than getting to the root cause of those problems. You know, we're trying to pull people out of the river, and sometimes we're pulling them out of the river dead. You know. In kind of that, that analogy, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when it's too late, rather than trying to figure out what the problem is upstream, and I thought that was just a really uh, interesting quote from him. And we look at you know the problems that we'll be dealing with uh, a lot on this podcast. You know, obesity is going to come up repeatedly as an issue. You know, the statistics that we've seen recently that over the span of COVID, you know, the Obesity rates have just skyrocketed both in youth as well as the adults. Uh, we've seen activity levels really hit rock bottom. I think you know we mentioned earlier in one of the pre- previous podcasts that about twenty only about twenty three percent of the American population is meeting the minimum activity standards, and yet we are trying to treat all of the resultant problems that come 
from obesity and the you know, cascade of health problems that come from that. You know, we talked about anxiety and stress in a recent Which is podcast. It's at an all time high right now. Right. Social anxiety in particular, it's at an all time high. And you know, uh, we're not really dealing with the initial issues. You know, we talk about uh, we talked about the school shootings, and we wanted you know how do we you know stop these school shootings? Well, you're not going to stop it by waiting until a kid shows up at school with a gun. And how do we defend everybody? You know, it's great that we've come up with techniques to be able to lock down schools and protect the kids. But the most ideal approach to that is going to be what is what's going on upstream? What is causing these kids to go down this pathway? And I think we need to be considering that a lot more. And I think the whole well-centered approach is the treatment of things up upstream. You know, when we are well-centered spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and socially – we are in a much better position to not have to cure, but to prevent many of so- the social ills that plague our, our communities. You know, we could talk about COVID and the approaches that we've had over the last two years now to dealing with that. You know, the biggest approach has been shutting down society and waiting on a vaccine and promoting a vaccine. When we have known all along that what makes people most susceptible to the virus is poor health. You know, the majority of people that are severely affected by it are people with comorbidities that generally can be traced back to inactivity and obesity and poor dietary habits. But we have neglected to address those issues. There's, there was a study finally that came out, I just saw this past week, that addressed bariatric surgery and outcomes in COVID and actually found that people with recent bariatric surgeries actually favored much better in COVID than individuals who didn't. So it wasn't a matter of having to over time change our dietary practices, lose weight slowly. It was a quick, you know, surgical loss of body fat resulted in a dramatic boost in health. And, you know, teaching physiology and exercise, we talk a lot about the role of exercise and activity in benefiting health. And one thing that I like to talk about, especially having this kind of young generation of students that are much more in tune with the discussion of universal health care. And I personally favor universal health care from the standpoint of everybody should have adequate access to medical care. But what we don't talk about is what about universal health? You know, that should be considered our our primary human right to be healthy. But what does it take to do that? And I think what it takes to do that is to deal with the upstream rather than pulling people out of the the water. Well, I agree with you. And I, I think the word universal health is a really powerful statement in itself because it's not just, it's not just physical health. 
there's mental health, there's emotional health, um, there's nutrition, and there's a there's an old story that we've all heard of a gentleman who's out on the beach, and on the beach that's washed up on the shore, there's all these starfish, and he's picking up a starfish, and he's throwing it out into the ocean, and he's picking up another one, and he's throwing it out to the ocean, and another individual walks up to him, and he says, why are you doing this? There's no point. They're all going to dry out by the sun. They're all going to die. You cannot do anything. You're not going to save them all. And the man still continues and he picks up another starfish and he throws it out in the ocean and he goes, I just saved one more. And he picks up another one and one more. And he picks up another one and one more. So in a perfect world, we could hopefully revolutionize the way um, everyone listens to us and and we, we change all their lives, right? But ideally, we're not going to save everyone. But hopefully with this platform, we are taking one starfish and throwing it out into that ocean and just helping them better themselves. You mentioned universal health, right? I do believe that when it comes to universal health, it's it's not a matter of pulling that individual out of that metaphorical water by prescribing a pill or prescribing something to them, but instead get to that source. What caused them to fall down and drown? What caused them to fall into that river and get swept away? As far as the realm of universal health, maybe doctors should start prescribing exercise. You admitted that we have an obesity pandemic on our hands. You admitted that obesity is at its highest point, which anyone can go online and and see that is true. That's a fact. So let's address that. Let's combat that. Well, if we were going to talk healthcare, you know, I, I frankly feel that the medical profession does not get enough adequate training in both exercise and nutrition. Uh, I think you talk to any medical doctor, they'll tell you that they maybe had a lecture or two in nutrition in their doctor in their their medical school training. Very few have gotten any kind of exercise science. And so, you know, as a professor, I really tend to favor and maybe it's a little bit more of my exercise science bias, but I prefer that students that are going to go on to med school come through an exercise science program. And you know, I have a, a friend who is on the faculty at a, he's in the, kind of the exercise science program at a much larger school than what I teach at that has a medical school. And they have about 2,000 students in their exercise science program. A number of years ago, I asked them, you know, where do these students all get jobs? Because it can't be that many jobs for exercise science, you know, in, in the state. And he said, well, the majority of our students are either pre-PT or pre-medicine. And a lot more of them are becoming pre-medicine. And he said that the medical school faculty, one of the medical school faculty at the university said that, he said, that, you know, we prefer the students coming out of your program as opposed to biology and the other sciences. And he said, quite frankly, they just don't get it. Meaning that, you know, when you are coming out of, say, biology, chemistry, and no, you know, putting down of, of those the faculties, but their approach is much different. You know, when you have somebody that's coming out of chemistry and, and their primary focus is on 
chemical reactions and you know, chemical structures, it is more likely that they're going to favor pharmaceuticals over behavioral changes. And, you know, we need better psychological care as well. You know, doctors need to understand the psychology. They have to understand that disease is physiological, it's behavioral, it's sociological, and all those things kind of work together. And we, we have to, again, going back to Desmond Tutu's quote, deal with the problems upstream. You know, when it comes to obesity, it's not a matter of just telling people to lose weight because we all know it's hard to lose weight. It's not a matter of giving a prescription to lose weight. And I've always laughed when I've seen some of these prescription medications advertised on TV for weight loss. And they talk about, you know, this particular drug can be effective, but you have to do your part with diet and exercise. It's like, well, why not just do the diet and exercise in the first place and deal with it that way? Um, But there's also a lot of, you know, there's a lot of psychology that goes along with why people are unhealthy. You know, there are sociological issues. Uh, There are community issues where people just simply have access, whether it's physically or financially or um, socially to be able to exercise regularly. And so, it, you know, something like obesity is a very multifaceted problem that is not going to be dealt with effectively downstream. It's got to be dealt with upstream. You did mention doctors in that certain people, they want to, they would much rather grab an individual who went through an exercise science degree um, over someone in a biology thing. Well, our body, we're well-oiled machines. We're just a natural way. And just like any other machine, let's use the example of a car. Would you prefer having an individual who just got out of trade school or would you prefer having an individual who grew up in their dad's garage with them working on their, working on cars, changing everything and went to trade school, right? It's experience versus, oh, I have my degree in that. And I think that's something that's overlooked. I also, this is going to be a little controversial statement, but do you think other doctorates in other countries, do you think they focus on, uh, let's just prescribe you something to help you out or, you know, I, I don't have time. I got to go see another patient. So we'll meet again next, n- next three months. Do you think they kind of brush it off to the side or do they focus primarily on you're my patient? I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you and make sure that you are always going to be healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. I think it varies from country to country. Uh, I don't think you could, yeah, make sweeping, sweeping generalizations. Uh, you have to kind of look at each country, each kind of approach to medicine being a little bit different in each country. So it's hard to tell. But, you know, again, I don't think we have, when we talk about universal health care and we start comparing ourselves to other countries, we don't, again, look at the whole picture. We just kind of look at, well, what's the government paying for it, you know, and, 
You know, you look at countries like in the, in many of the Scandinavian countries that tend to favor a little bit more socialized medicine and things like that. Well, they're also much more active communities and those types of things. There's a lot more, again, multifaceted considerations when talking about how healthcare is working in those countries. And I think we really, as you know, citizens in the United States, we have to think about what are, what are the issues here. We have you know discussion in the government about uh, what is it, build back better um, approach, and you know there have been some conversations, and I've, I've read a few things recently in terms of how medicine is being factored into all of that, and. You know, it's not just a matter of, for one example, making diabetes medication affordable from the standpoint of if you have insurance, you you have less of a copay. It has to be made cheaper across the board. It has to be accessible to everybody. Uh, I was just reading an article today that was talking about that. That you know, there's there are cheaper alternatives to some of the diabetic medications, but they're not as effective. They're not as rapid working. Well, that doesn't necessarily help the individual. Uh, Are we dealing with building communities that are going to encourage people to be more active and to facilitate greater physical activity? I'm not sure that we're really even near having those discussions, let alone coming up with the necessary solutions think we have to have discussions as to, okay, what are the health problems in this community? How can we make, can we prevent people from getting into this situation? Right. Um, I think if possible in our podcast on this particular one, I think we should send a link to maybe one of, one of the emails for the podcast for some of the viewers to maybe say, hey, talk about this. Hey, I would really, you know, this is affecting my life. Can we open up the door for this discussion? Or, hey, guys, I have a wonderful way how you can change um, the world. And here's the source. Do more research on this. I, I think two guys, we can, we can talk back and forth all we want, and we can bring in other guests, but if we reach out to others that are also noticing a problem with health and you know, how can we better this world or how can we have someone age well? Um, I think I think we might need to reach out and get that helping hand. Absolutely. And we do have an email address. Uh, and I will put that in the, the, the podcast notes. But the address is just simply agingwell, all lowercase, dot podcast at gmail.com. So pretty easy to remember and um, certainly open up to questions and you know things that we might discuss. Again, the whole goal of this podcast is to kind of follow Desmond Tutu's lead and work on solving the problems upstream as opposed to waiting until we're having to kind of pull people out of the water. I agree. And so... You know, we just kind of scratched the surface today, I think, with this, and I think it's some things to ponder, but I do think that if we are going to age well, we have to consider 
aging well on the front end. And, you know, we've talked, we talk about exercise, we talk about uh, how we modify our lifestyles to be able to age well. And of course, some of the future podcasts will be dealing with the situations where we are having to kind of pull people out of the water. But, you know, ideally, we will be planning for successful aging rather than trying to manage aging at the end of the whole process. And so I think we can kind of wrap this up for today and just encourage everybody to email us any questions that you might have or discussion points for us and keep aging well. Keep aging well and... Thank you for listening. I hope you benefited from today's podcast. And until next time, keep aging well.